it's not too early to talk to your child about drinking. For tips on what to say, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooth to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, at, at some point here in the 8 o'clock hour, uh, in fact, she may be calling in right now, we'll find out, but at some point uh, here in this 8 o'clock hour, we uh, are anticipating a phone call uh, from Representative Courtney Sprunger out of Kalispell, a freshman lawmaker out of the Flathead Valley. Uh, she has got a bill uh, that was introduced here, I believe, just on, on Friday, House Bill 791, and this is being touted by Montana's attorney General Austin Knutson as the first bill of the session that seeks to tackle the rising tide of fentanyl flowing into Montana. Teaming up with Montana Attorney General Austin Knutson, Representative Sprunger is seeking a mandatory minimum sentence of two years jail time, a $50,000 fine, or both for anyone convicted of trafficking fentanyl into the state of Montana. Uh, ultimately, the goal of the bill is to temper the tremendous uh, volume of fentanyl flowing into the state, which is, of course, rising rapidly each year. And uh, as uh, Governor Greg Gianforte pointed out on, uh, uh, on Twitter, all of this, of course, is directly connected uh, to our wide open southern border. But uh, it, anyway, uh, here is what Attorney General Austin Knutson had to say in this press release that was sent out Friday. The amount of illicit fentanyl coming across the southern border has skyrocketed. Our narcotics agents and troopers are getting more fentanyl off the roads than ever before, but we need additional tools and resources to keep it out of our communities. I'm thankful uh, to, uh, to Representative Sprunger for introducing this legislation that will enable us to crack down on the flow of fentanyl and the criminals who are bringing this poison into our state. We've got Representative Sprunger on the phone lines with us uh, now. Uh, Representative Sprunger, great to have you on the show. Thanks for calling in. Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. Yeah, uh, I, thanks for taking a break from committee action here a little bit this morning uh, to join us on the show. Talk about what, why you see this legislation being so important right now. You bet. I mean, for me, as I'm a fifth-generation Montanan, and looking at the scourge coursing through the veins of our state, I just I felt like something absolutely had to be done. We needed to put out a close-for-business sign right now, and we're a top target for some of these some of these folks that are trafficking. Some of the top cartels have uh, identified our market as a place to make key profits, and we need to make it a little more painful to do business here. You know, a lot of people, when we think of the Flathead Valley, they're elsewhere across Montana. They think of Glacier National Park and Whitefish Lake and Flathead Lake and Big Mountain and skiing. But but really, there you know, there is a lot of uh, drug-fueled crime in the Flathead Valley as well for that the locals on the ground will tell you about. Well, there's no doubt about it. So I've grown up there, and it's always been a challenge for our communities. We we certainly have the assets of an incredible backdrop and a, a beautiful place to live, but the reality is that, um, you know, our law enforcement officers have always had to work hard against the drug culture that's 
and uh, trying to build there in those communities. And I think the reality is when you have a kind of a tourism state, sometimes there's things flowing in and out a little faster. Uh, Attorney General Austin Knutson and, and the governor shared this as well. Uh, we've seen an 11,000 percent increase in fentanyl taken off the streets since 2019. Just sh- gives us a sense of what this invasion kind of looks like here. Why do you think mandatory minimum sentences are, are so important here? I, I agree with these mandatory minimums, by the way. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think the reality is I think mandatory minimum sentences have to be used really carefully. But when it comes to a drug that can literally kill a law enforcement officer or a child on contact, that's a whole different category for me. You know, I I really feel that this is a whole different class of dangerous drugs when it comes to fentanyl. And I think that we have to do something to take some of these people off the streets and to make it, um, like I said, less pleasant to do business here right now. The, the borders are kind of open. Our law enforcement officers are doing all they can. But we don't have the tools that we need to get these people off the streets. That, that's a good point. Because you know, I can see, like, uh, you know, if some kids, you know, doing marijuana or something like that in the past, okay, you know, we don't need to have mandatory minimums that lock them up for years and years and years. But given the increased danger of fentanyl, the life-threatening danger of, like you say, even just a drop of it, very clearly mm-hmm. there needs to be a stronger message sent right now when it comes to fentanyl. That's right. The CDC estimates that fentanyl is 50 times more potent than heroin. So we're talking our law enforcement officers are now forced to carry Narcan with them just because the the potential for overdose from coming into contact with it through like a transfer in a baggie is so high. We actually had an officer up in the flathead last last week that um, they had to deal with an overdose for that officer. Yes, it's a very serious issue. And when you think not just our officers, it could be our kids, that could be something on a on a table at McDonald's that could endanger the lives of our children. That's just not something you can mess around with. Yeah. I, I remember the kids were even saying, like the high school kids were saying, hey, if you see a dollar bill laying on the ground, don't pick it up because it could be a, a trap. It could have something, it could have a speck of fentanyl on there and, and cause you to just drop down right there. Yeah, I hadn't heard that news that a, an officer went down from fentanyl last week in the flathead. Uh, but uh, yeah, we've, we've seen just increased reports of this across the board. Even, you're right, even school kids, some of them are carrying Narcan uh, anymore. It's a scary situation. I mean, realistically, I, I, I couldn't have even envisioned it when I was their age that that's something more that they have to deal with. So I think as the, you know, the law enforcement and the legislators that are here to protect, I think that this is the place we have to step up. And that's why I decided to bring this legislation. And to tell you the truth, um, probably people would laugh if they know me well. They'd know I probably would have loved to have a longer mandatory minimum. However, um, this is the right fit for our state um, that allows us to kind of capture the gap between um, – where basically where there isn't much that we're able to do and where the feds start to take over. So anything beyond that two-year mandatory minimum, um, the feds kind of start to take over. So we want to make sure that we don't encroach on their territory. Right. I've had people ask, well, why just two years? You know, yeah. not you got to start. Got to start somewhere, right? Hold that thought, Representative Courtney Sprunger. If you can stand by, uh, and we'll come back to you right after this quick break here on Montana Talks. Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. 
Yeah, this was the line from the Attorney General's press release here. The approach to penalties through House Bill 791 is intentionally surgical. The bill outlines very specific perimeters for what qualifies as the intent uh, to distribute. That's an important point to make here when we talk about mandatory minimum sentences for fentanyl traffickers here in Montana. Uh, in fact, uh, back to it here with Representative Courtney Sprunger out of Kalispell. You know, we, you and I kind of caught up a little bit more during the break here, but this is an important point to make here that, that these mandatory minimum sentences, we're not going after a kid who made a dumb mistake uh, or somebody who got hooked on opioids after you know a painful surgery or something like that. You're deliberately targeting the traffickers here. That's exactly right. So I'm not interested in, um, you know, fault resolving people's uh, addiction challenges through incarceration, right? I think there's much better solutions for that, and I think we need to be supportive where we can. What I am interested in is locking up the people that are victimizing our most vulnerable in our communities, um, and those are our traffickers. And so what you'd see if you see if you look a little bit more closely at that legislation is that um, for a charge to be brought under the statute, convicted must be in possession of 100 or more fentanyl pills or a combined weight greater than 10 grams in powder, solid, or liquid, inclusive of any cutting agent. So we're really intentional in making sure that somebody would have to have a pretty large volume or supply of this that would be indicative of trafficking, and we work closely with our, narc- our narcotics division to identify that level. Yeah, and the other thing I was thinking uh, is we're about to approach the transmittal deadline here, which is kind of halftime for the Montana legislature. A lot of bills that don't uh, uh, get get across uh, a key hurdle prior to the transmittal deadline. I think that's Friday, right? So are you hoping to get this through before Friday then, before the transmittal deadline, if I'm not mistaken on that timeline? You bet. They're doing a great job down here. There's a lot of volume, but we uh, we do have a... Um, we have first hearing tomorrow morning at Judiciary for House Bill 791. Obviously, anybody who's interested in testifying on that, we'd love to have you there. But um, that one will then hit second reading, hopefully, on the floor this week and third. So they will work really hard. Um, our leadership's doing a great job of making sure we're getting bills through. This might be a question, too, for the Attorney General's office. But why, I guess, why the need for, you know, mandatory minimum sentences from the state of Montana standpoint here instead of just trying to push them into the federal system and, and press for for federal charges uh, or, or, or is, are the the feds just so overwhelmed that we need to make sure that that we step it up across the board. That's a really good question, Aaron. You know, and I wouldn't want to speak on behalf of DOJ. Um, what I can say from working with their narcotics team is they did see an opportunity for this kind of mid-level gap, right? Up to 100 pills or kind of in there like that before two years. So the feds are really intentionally looking for these. Um, these higher levels, but that doesn't mean somewhere between, right, 50 pills and 200 pills, we can probably see the intent to distribute, and they're focused on these larger um, pieces that the, the feds are really well equipped to attack, so this gives our state some tools to be able to get something in the interim. Yeah. Well, while we got you on the phone lines, I think you got a couple more minutes of, available with us here this morning. As a freshman lawmaker out of the Flathead Valley, for your constituents listening on KJJR, what what else have you been up to this legislative session? What's it been like here, your first uh, roughly two months in? It's been pretty amazing. You know, other than uh, coming down sick for the last week, it's been incredible. I'm um, really high 
uh, velocity. There is just an incredible team of folks that have come in, especially with our freshman class. I think they're the kind of people that you would hope would be down here legislating and making decisions. For me, I've been working on a lot of things that I heard while I was out in the district. So um, I have the SAFER Act, which is a $100 million uh, transportation fund that's going to help us go out and secure one-time only funds for large grants and uh, redistribution dollars. We think we can turn that into 750 to $850 million in work for the entire state. So that's been a big one for me. I'm working on some career technical education pieces that will allow um, families to, to basically um, let money follow the child into opportunities that are best suited for the kids. And I'm working on a few other things around, um, I actually have a bill that's going to come up tomorrow for victims of domestic violence that will allow them to have better tracking if uh, if somebody is out awaiting trial so that they're alerted if somebody's endangering them or coming near their home. So there's kind of a wide variety of things I've been able to work on. I have the adoption tax credit, which is something that's very near and dear to my heart. That's so great. I've been really, yeah, really privileged to work on a lot of great things that are under the conservative agenda. That adoption tax credit is is awesome because, man, the, the folks that uh, that uh, help out and undertake that cause are, are just incredible folks. And, you know, there was so much uh, debate over, you know, Roe v. Wade and the United States Supreme Court. And, look, one way or another, we've just got to figure out ways to make it easier and to provide support for those who are adopting uh, and providing foster care for, for kids and, and for babies out there in particular. So, so you know, in the midst of all these big debates about abortion and Roe v. Wade and everything else, uh, this is one great way to just make sure that these kids are taken care of. That's exactly right. It's pro-family, it's pro-child, and I think every one of these kiddos deserves an opportunity to have a family in the future, and I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of this legislation. All right. Representative uh, Courtney Sprunger uh, out of Kalispell, great to catch up with you this morning on the show. Thanks for being with us. And, uh, hey, feel free to call in more often, too. We, we'll always get All right. Even, I'll do it. We get some nice surprise phone calls from a number of lawmakers, and it's always fun because it's uh, there, there's no way. It's hard enough for people in the legislature to track all the bills, let alone those of us outside uh, the legislature to stay on top of it all. So, uh, so thanks for, for joining us. Thanks for the time, and we'll do that. I'll call in again. Thanks, oh. everybody, and have a great morning. All right, you too. Thanks again. All right, 406-294-0970 is the number for you. If you want to jump in on the conversation, you got something you want to talk about, we've got the the, uh, the phone lines open for you right now. You can also send us a message on our Montana Talks app as well. But, you know, going back to this invasion of fentanyl here into Montana, we all know that it's a direct result of the chaos on our southern border. But... The northern border plays a role as well. Uh, that's why I, I was uh, pleased to see that Montana's northern border with Canada is getting some much-needed attention uh, now as well, at least from the Republican members of Congress. Over the weekend, Fox News reporting that Montana Congressman Ryan Zinke and Representative Mike Kelly out of Pennsylvania are launching a northern border, northern border security caucus along with 26 other lawmakers Earlier this month, CBS News reported that illegal border crossings in one sector alone along the northern border are up 700 percent. In fact, I think we were talking with State Senator Mike Cuff out of Eureka uh, when when those numbers came out uh, when we were at the Capitol. And he's he's the one who gave me the uh, 
the uh, the the personal tour of the U.S. Canada border right there uh, at Lake Kukanusa, uh, just north of Eureka. But uh, but yeah, they they've got this Northern Border Security Caucus that uh, Congressman Zinke's taken the lead on. Twenty six other lawmakers, uh, Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale is also on the Northern Border Security Caucus, and. Uh, and speaking of Congressman Rosendale, he announced recently that he is reintroducing a bill that would block U.S. taxpayer funding to defend countries like Ukraine until our own country starts defending our own border. It just makes sense, right? All right, we got more news out of Washington to share with you here. The Biden administration is working to ban gas stoves. Senator Steve Daines tells us why. Uh, so I'll get to that here in a second. But first, your phone calls. Owen in Billings, next up on the phone lines. Thanks for the call, Owen. Hi, Aaron. Hey, is your guest still there? Uh, I, she, she's gone back to the legislative uh, schedule. But, uh, yeah, if you had a question or comment, we can – well, it'll still be heard by folks across the state, including a lot of lawmakers. But we can uh, we can send a follow-up email or something, too. I, I was trying to get a hold of her. We, my wife and I were foster parents here for a very short period of time here in Billings. And our experience is that the uh, DFS system here in this town is more of a train wreck than the kids that we were trying to bring into our home. And until you fix that problem, that that's not helping the case with trying to find foster parents in this town. And what, what what made it a train wreck? What were some of the frustrations that you had? Well, we first said that we didn't want any children in our home that were sexually assaulted, sexually abused, and we were lied to. Hmm. We, we took a, a kid into our home with no information. We actually found more information out from the school than what we found out from DFS. And everything they had told us had been a complete lie. And... So we have this kid in our home that we absolutely fell in love with, and the kid was thriving in our home, and the I, I don't know how much information I can give out. Yeah. But Bottom line, parents, it brings extra challenges when you have a kid struggling with that type of a of a trauma. That that yeah, so so you know so you have to be careful when when you're you know well bring that in your home, right? We also right? have a child of our own. Yeah, yeah, to you protect know, that your we kids. Were, that we were concerned of, you know, and so we didn't want our child to experience any way, shape, or form that kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. But after after about six months of the kids living in our home, um, we found out that there had been sexual assault, sexual abuse, and um, we decided we were going to continue on and we were actually told that at some point in time it looked like we were going to be able to adopt a child. And then within two weeks later, the parent that we were taking the kid, the kid from um, didn't meet any of the criteria. As a matter of fact, ran away. And DFS had to go a long ways to go get the person and bring them back, beg them to come back. And then had to beg them to take their kids back. Oh wow! Met none of the criteria. Did nothing uh, to get her kids back, but yet they begged them and took a kid that was thriving in our home 
and put him back into a risky situation. Well, and I know that the system is, from what I've heard, just overwhelmed, and, and these problems are compounded by the drug problems in the state and much more. Oh, and if you're okay with it, um, send me an email. I think you got the email, but Aaron at MontanaTalks.com, and I'd be happy to, uh, with your permission, share uh, your email and a little bit of that story with uh, with uh, Representative Sprunger uh, and, and other lawmakers. Uh, thanks for the call. Quick break back. Hey, if you're heading to the Home Improvement Show, you can register to win two pints of beer to Thirsty Street Brewing, compliments of Newman Restoration, and two $5 gift cards to the Montana Melt Food Truck, compliments of Montana Melt. You'll also be registered for the grand prize drawing for an interior-exterior window cleaning plus bonus dryer vent cleaning, courtesy of Alpine Window Clean. Register by sending us a message on the Montana Talks app. Send us a message for your chance to win. Serving the great state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooths to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Oh, now I'm having uh, now I'm having flashbacks here. Uh, Military-aged males. <laughs> How many of you, uh, when you were serving in Iraq back in the day, uh, you'd have all these bolo alerts? Be on the lookout, and it'd be like, "We got a bolo alert for a white opal." Okay, I've seen about fifty of them in the last ten minutes. Can you give me a little more details here? And then you'd get other bolo alerts. Uh, be, uh, you know, be on the lookout for uh, a ma'am wearing this. Uh, probably man jammies or something like that. But ma'ams. Uh, we came across some ma'ams. And no, it wasn't the gender confusion debate going on in Iraq. They were looking for military-aged males. Uh, Dennis and Bozeman shared a link here. Justthenews.com. That's uh, Solomon's outfit. Texas sheriff warns that America is experiencing a silent invasion of military-aged men. A silent invasion of military-aged men, thanks to the wide-open southern border, the drug cartels bringing in the fentanyl, the meth, and so much more. Dennis, uh, thanks for sharing that story. There was another soundbite that I meant to play earlier. I, was, I opened up the hour by talking about Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich. Now, she's an environmental activist that actually cares about the environment, which is shocking because so many of these environmental activists that we hear from uh, and that operate in Montana, they don't even care about the environment. They just care about making money, scaring you when it comes to the environment. You know, all these phony outfits that are funded by uh, Hans Wies. Yeah, they're they're solely here to shake down, shake you down for cash, or to put cash in the in the pockets of their buddies, to shut down your coal-fired power plant, to shut down your coal mine, to block your oil and gas project, to block your construction project, to kick you ranchers off the land so that their liberal elite buddies can use it as their playground instead. Uh, but Aaron Brockovich sounds like actually cares about the environment, actually showed up after an environmental disaster in East Palestine, Ohio. Now, she didn't show up until after former President Donald Trump showed up. But uh, but anyway, isn't it interesting that uh, 
Donald Trump goes to East Palestine, Ohio, and CNN and the left-wing mob on The View, they all complain because he brought Trump water. MSNBC, I, I, I switched over to them for a few minutes last week, and they were, they were outraged that Donald Trump bought, brought Trump water to East Palestine, Ohio. They couldn't handle it. And as I, I remarked last week, they were more outraged by Donald Trump bring, bringing clean water to East Palestine, Ohio, than they were by the people of East Palestine, Ohio, potentially coughing up blood because of the environmental disaster. So they weren't mad at the train company uh, that's uh, you know owned by these uh, these leftist uh, investment firms. No, no, no. They weren't mad at them for the disaster that they caused. They were mad because Donald Trump delivered clean water. No joke. Uh, but this was a this was an interesting clip from over the weekend here. Let me give uh, credit where credit is due here. Oh, this is from the Trump War Room on Twitter. Uh, NTSB chair, this is the chair of the National Transportation Safety Board, Jennifer Homendi, says the break rule that Buttigieg and Joy Behar blamed President Trump for repealing, quote, would not have prevented the East Palestine derailment. So this is the head of the NTSB under Joe Biden. Because you remember, they, they got to blame Donald Trump about everything. Uh, Pete, Pete Buttigieg, who, who ignored the people of East Palestine, Ohio, for what, almost three weeks, tried to, when he finally commented on the, the train derailment and the disaster, he tried to blame Donald Trump. Oh, he repealed regulations on brakes for this that had nothing to do with the derailment. Here's the, uh, the head of the NTSB. For this investigation and for this derailment, ECP brakes would not have prevented the derailment. The wheel bearing failed on car number 23. So even with ECP brakes, the derailment would have occurred, the fire would have ensued, and the five vinyl chloride tank cars would still have to be vented and burned. All right, so that was the head of the NTSB basically saying, uh, yeah, you can't blame this on Donald Trump. And and CNN allowed her to say that uh, for a little while. Uh, speaking of... Uh, of a DOT secretary, uh, Pete Buttigieg. So first off, he ignores the people of East Palestine. Then finally, after President Donald Trump embarrassed him into visiting, he finally shows up. And then there he is out there in the mud, surveying the site and wearing his fancy little dress shoes. It was pretty funny. There was a guy on Fox News Sunday yesterday who said, you know, if anybody... If anybody would not be in need of fashion advice when visiting East Palestine, Ohio, you would think that Pete Buttigieg would be the last one who would need uh, fashion advice. That was some guy on Fox News Sunday. I, I forget who, who said it. Didn't catch his name. All right. Uh, lots to talk about here uh, this morning, this Monday on the show, 406-294-0970. If you want to jump in on the conversation here, I really... I uh, want to talk about this uh, latest report from the Wall Street Journal, classified document, now come out of the Department of Energy, basically where the Department of Energy, even in the Biden administration, has now uh, – this Department of Energy report basically says, yes, COVID-19 came from the lab in China. Which is a remember when we raised that question here on this show, and we said that it's very likely that that COVID nineteen came from the communist Chinese lab in Wuhan, China. 
We've been saying that for three years. Remember how much they would they would uh, try to berate us for even raising the question? Remember how much they would argue with us? Remember how much they tried to censor us for making that point that was a very obvious point that needed to be made? And now they're saying, oh, yeah, looks like it actually came uh, from the lab in China. Well, wow, big breaking news there, right? In fact, it's not breaking news that COVID-19 came from the lab in China. It's breaking news that we have a government agency that is now on the record admitting it. What you and I have have known now uh, for quite some time. Uh, and suspected very early on, especially, uh, you know, I'll never forget one of the one of the best emails I got was uh, from from one of our listeners in Miles City at the time. And we were talking about uh, China and COVID-19 and, you know, and you could tie this in with so many different things. January 6th, you could tie it in with uh, with the lockdowns and the mandates. You could you could tie it in with the impeachment uh, hoax, the Russia collusion hoax. And I think we were talking about China and COVID-19 at the time and uh, lab leak theory and more. And this listener in Miles City said, you know, I'm thinking, right, and any good investigator would ask this question if they if they wanted to, to find the likely suspect. And he used the Latin phrase, qui bono, who benefits, the Latin phrase, qui bono, who benefits. And you look at COVID-19, you look at... Everything they did to our economy, uh, who has benefited from it? China. Well, Joe Biden's benefited from it as well. You, you look at the, the impeachment hoax and the Russia collusion hoax. Qui bono? Who benefits? Well, Joe Biden. Uh, China has also benefited from it. You think, you think China wants Donald Trump in the White House or even a Ron DeSantis in the White House? Of course not. Uh, so, qui bono, who benefits? Anyway, here's the latest news. Uh, this came out from the uh, from the Wall Street Journal over the weekend. President Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, refusing to confirm nor deny that classified report. He spoke earlier. There is a variety of views in the intelligence community. Some elements of the intelligence community have reached conclusions on one side, some on the other. A number of them have said they just don't have enough information to be sure. House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall releasing a statement a short time ago, quote, I'm pleased the Department of Energy has finally reached the same conclusion that I had already come to. I have requested a full and thorough briefing from the administration on this report and the evidence behind it. Now, the U.S. Department of Energy is responsible for 17 national labs, including Los Alamos, which designed the first nuclear bomb. Yeah, so the takeaway from that Fox Radio report is that the White House is downplaying the threat of communist China once again. The White House is covering for the communist Chinese once again. Their own Energy Department released a report saying that that the COVID-19 likely came from the communist Chinese lab in China, that Dr. Fauci was helping to fund, that Dr. Fauci signed off on gain-of-function research for, that that's the likely source of COVID-19. And even though their own Energy Department is saying as much, they're saying, well, 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 there's other agencies who've come up with their own assessment here. They are covering for the communist Chinese once again. And, and then it, it reminds me, too, of, you know, this the, of of Ukraine. And there's all these news stories about, well, is China about ready to give weapons to Ukraine or to Russia in their invasion of Ukraine? China has been helping the Russians since day one. The White House will say, if China gives weapons to Russia, there'll be a global pariah. They already should be a global pariah. 
if you guys would have called them out instead of covered for them and shut down the American economy. No, but instead you wanted the American people to be the pariahs while you covered for the communist Chinese. Your morning cup of Sean. This is the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. And this is where we now find ourselves, is that the United States is giving good money after bad, and with no intention, a best-case scenario is they, they fight to a tie. And this is the problem with conflicts historically that the United States gets involved in. If the United States is going to commit militarily to any conflict, whether it be a conflict to protect our own sovereignty or the sovereignty of another nation, and you're not going to commit the resources that would be necessary to win, then we really have no business getting involved in the beginning because there's no end in sight here. The conservative underground meets later today on the Sean Hannity Show. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month. SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Double garage door. It's the place you want to be, and it's free. So, where to... He's life. He's liberty. He is Mark Levin. And you can do it. Broadcasting from the Grizzly Gold and Silver Studios. Trusted by the Northwest. Montana owned. Online at grizzlygoldandsilver.com. This is where Montana talks. Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Well, I got to play this one coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. So we were talking about the COVID scam and and how the Department of Energy now apparently has released a – I haven't released it, but the, the Wall Street Journal is reporting on a classified report where the Department of Energy, the United States Department of Energy, has basically uh, – they've come to the conclusion that, yes, COVID-19 likely came from the lab in China. I know it's uh, it's not that uh, f- far of a conclusion to make uh, for the rest of us who saw this as the obvious uh, sign very early on, but uh, uh, but I don't I don't think he timed it this way. But you, you remember Woody from Cheers? Remember Woody Harrelson from back in the day on the TV show Cheers? Uh, I also remember him as Billy Ho from uh, <laughs> White Men Can't Jump. But Woody Harrelson did his fifth appearance on Saturday Night Live on Saturday. And since many of you I know are like me and don't watch Saturday Night Live anymore, you might have missed it. But uh, Avi Yamini with Rebel News says that Woody Harrelson summed up the COVID scam 
perfectly. I'll play the clip for you coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Plus, we've got Jeff Lasloffy from the Montana Family Foundation, uh, who's going to kick off the 9 o'clock hour for us as well. And we'll take more of your phone calls. Let's jump in the phone lines right now. Sadie in Bozeman, listening to 1450 KMMS. Great to hear from you. Hi there. Um, I'm calling about the Anthony Fauci and the COVID misinformation he was spreading. Um, there is an article on Cell Press Journal. Sorry. Um, and he actually writes in this, he writes a summary about rethinking next generation vaccines for coronaviruses and influenza viruses on other respiratory viruses. And I can send you the link to it. It's incredible because he actually admits that the COVID vaccine is ineffective. Well, yeah, yeah. Derek Van Orden, he was uh, he was with us in the in the Flathead and and actually at Four Corners in uh, your neck of the woods last summer. He's a he's a, a Navy SEAL. He's now a member of Congress out of Wisconsin. He was at those freedom rallies with with Congressman Zinke at the time. He said this on Twitter. He said things things seem to have come full circle here lately. We now know he uses quotes. We now know the vaccine did not prevent infection or transmission. Mask mandates had no appreciable effect. Social distancing was made up out of thin air. The virus came from China. Basically, everything that we had all been saying for the last three years, now they're saying, oh, yep, it's true. Yep. Well, as of January 11, 2023, Anthony Fauci has finally admitted, and of course you don't hear that on any of the mainstream media. He should be behind bars for what he did to this country and and for lying before Congress and and so much more. Sadie, thanks for the call. Great to hear from you. Uh, Let's see. Next up, Tim in uh, Mondakistan. Tim, thanks for the call. What's on your mind? Good morning. You you said earlier that we're not going to talk about uh, jet contrails, but <laughs> I, man, I think that's all we got left because right. we've got we've got. I mean, even train brakes and by and Hunter's laptop and now the woohoo flu and the lab leak and everything else. I mean, brother, all we have left is jet contrails. <laughs> so we maybe need to do a full show on it. <laughs> yeah, every other every other conspiracy has proven to be has been proven to be true. So uh, you know, why should we believe anything else at this point, right? <laughs> But even the left is throwing them out. I mean, they're throwing things out. Train breaks. It's, I, I mean, I, as soon as that train crashed, I knew they were going to say, okay, we got to figure out a way to blame Trump. But then I was shocked when they really did try to come up with something. And it, it's just, it is just so painful watching the desperation as they come up with anything out there to say, well, Trump did this, Trump did that. Well, I tell you, there's a bridge in Richland County that has a little frost on it, and I'm figuring out how to blame Trump for that right now. Well, you know, I'll tell you, if you believed all the, all the government lies over the last few years and all the media lies, Mike Cooney has a freezer morgue trailer in Helena to sell you right now. Really good price. Oh, yeah, of course. Of Special course. price yes, for you. <laughs> and, and and Mike, the good old Mike, never came came clean on that one either. The tweet's so. still up. The tweet's still it's, up. Now it's uh, going to cost you a lot of gas money to haul that thing back to Savage, but uh, you know, good price. Oh no, I'll hook up. I'll hook up my EV to it, and I'll do, I'll pull it for free. <laughs> you won't even make it to East so. Helena. All right, Tim. Great to hear from you. Uh, we'll have the phone lines open coming up in the nine o'clock hour as well.